Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats with Delicia. I'm your host, Delicia Larcón, your resident hype tía, or your fellowship fairy godmother. However you would like to describe me as, I'm here for you. This is another episode of interviews and guest speakers coming in to chat with me about being a first generation, how to navigate imposter syndrome, how to navigate the world uh, today in the work environment, the application process, the undergraduate admissions, and the graduate admissions process. We're here together to chat about it, to peel back the layers, to peel back the curtain behind what happens in higher education, to really provide the skills and the tools necessary to succeed in whatever that goal is for you. So make sure you have your coffee, your energy drink, or tea, whatever you want to listen in on this conversation between my guests, my colleagues, and my friends. And make sure you stay tuned so you can get access to all the free goodies and the gifts that I have created for you as it relates to training, about scholarships, about resume writing, about cover letter, anything that you need in the process. I've created some gifts for you so you can download those instantly and have access to the workbooks and the trainings. And stay tuned if you would like to join the Facebook group and the community to connect with everyone. So without further ado, let's listen in on our guests and our conversations. Cheers. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another College and Career Coffee Chat. Today, I have a very, very special guest. Uh, we have Shaquana from Fairfield University. She and I both went to Fairfield. And we have, we met actually each other when I was working there as an academic counselor in their TRIO Student Support Services program uh, in Project Excel. So I'm very excited for our chat today because we go back to college days, we go back to profession, young professional life and um, navigating what that looks like today. So before we, I introduce her even more, I want to do a little Cheers. I have tea today and she has some agua water. <laughs> uh, so if you hear a slurping or like my um, mug kind of hitting the table, that's what it is. Because this is a chill chat with coffee, tea, or whatever beverage of choice. So she graduated in 2018 from Fairfield and is currently a graduate resident coordinator and completing her MPA, which is a master's in public administration. So she's getting all those degrees and getting all the things to take on the world. And she is someone who's so special in my experiences as a young professional because she would always cheer me up when I was working at Fairfield and just always have a smile on her face and ready to chat about logistics. She was also a psych major, so we instantly connected about that and how to navigate life as an underrepresented minority on campus. Don't forget, Fairfield is a PWI, my friends. So this is all the, those are all kind of the topics and themes that we talked about when we met each other and during our relationship. Um, and we want to bring it to this platform for you and students to uh, feel represented in her story and my story and together um, hopefully you get some nuggets of wisdom. So this is going to be more about her. So I want her to introduce herself and kind of start the conversation about 
what is TRIO? What does student support services mean to you? What did Project Excel mean to you and being a first-gen student on your own terms, not necessarily what the textbook definition is? Hi, everyone. I'm Shaquana. Um, I want to first say that I think um, being first-gen is pretty important. Um, I feel like there was no guideline or guidebook to be in first gen in college. So this is why I really love TRIO support services because was it not for Project Excel, I probably would not be able to have books some semesters or I probably wouldn't be able to graduate on time um, because while well, our institution, there is um, advising system, but it's very limited in terms of like what you need, what classes you should take, advice, when you should take them, what classes you should take together or separately. So I remember like struggling in math, but also taking the hardest religion at the same time. And it was like, I don't have time to read that book, but also multiply, subtract and divide these equations. And so when it comes to like study skills, but also like what classes to take, I feel like Project Excel really helped me as an undergrad student, um, which is why I continue to work in Project Excel for all these years, because I feel like there are so many students who are navigating being first gen in college and just not knowing what to do with their stories or if their stories relate to anyone, really. Um, I've had students now as a professional who are like, I need to get my financial aid paperwork done. However, they're scary. Um, the bursar is scary. Like, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to talk to them. And just being able to be like, well, I know this person in financial aid and we're going to go talk to her right now and I'm going to introduce you and then you guys are going to be friends and then you won't be scared to go there anymore. Um, just like things of that nature makes me really love TRIO and being able to be a part of it now so that I can give back kind of the way they gave to me. Oh yeah, I love that piece of, all right, we know these people in these offices. We are gonna literally walk over with you and introduce you, have a conversation, be kind of that bridge between administrators and students is what I loved about my job at Project Excel. I would literally walk over with students from, our office was, if you're in on campus, you know where BCC uh, 100 is. It's in the first level of the Barone Campus Center. And there is our office, right? So they would come in and be like, I need to go to financial aid or study abroad, which is like up the hill. And sometimes you don't even know where it is or like the health center, right? And we're like, oh, let's get it. Oh, it's snowing. Let me drive you up there because we are not walking up that hill with this rain. Um, so I think that's so important with student development and bridging that connection because the bursar is scary. The financial aid office is scary when you don't know what goes on or how it's happening as a first-gen student. You don't know the system in many ways. So you're like, I'm just not gonna turn this paper in. I'm just not gonna ask this question. But then you get kind of screwed over in a way because you're not advocating for yourself in that way and you can be missing dollars to your financial aid package or you missed a deadline with the bursar and that has a fee or like financial repercussions. So 
I love that you're continuing kind of that um, bridge to be like, let's go. We're friends. We're going to make this happen. Right. I feel like, and they happen so much across campus. It's just not like talked about, but also like um, first gen students of color who need mental health services, but they're scared to go to the health center because of the stigma around getting help. Mm -hmm. um, I just see it happen across campus or like sometimes it's like small, like relational. Like I had an interaction with this one person and they were not nice. So I'm never going back to them, but you mm -hmm. need throughout the journey. So like, how can we get you help with someone that you do like in that office or mm -hmm. work on repairing this relationship that was damaged when that person said something to you that you perceived as negative, but probably was not meant to be that way. Mm, true. Yes, because sometimes administrators speak in like their office terms and that might not connect with the first year student or second year student and then they get scared and they're just like X on that person. Um, I love the piece about mental health because I, ha I remember I had a student once that came crying into my office and I was like, what's going on? I'm not a licensed therapist. Like I can, I can de-stress you and de-escalate you, but then we got to talk about this, what's going on. So and she was terrified of going to um, the mental health um, advisors, I mean, the therapists on campus. And that's why the diversity office started bringing therapists into the office to have sessions there to de-escalate that uh, barrier. But anyways, that was before this happened on campus. So I took her and she was so scared to go into the office because of the barrier of not knowing who they were. So I, I sat in the office waiting for her to have her session. So she knew someone was supporting her from that. Cause like for uh, confidentiality reasons, I couldn't go into the session, which is totally fine. Um, but she still wanted me to sit and wait for her outside. So then we can walk down or drive back down to Barone campus center um, to kind of debrief that also. So I think people like you who are still on campus that can do that is so important to bridge this retention gap with students. Right. I had the I had the same experience where I had to bring a student and wait for her in the waiting room. But then I also started to think about my experience in undergrad and how many times I ran back to my room, crawled into my bed when I should have really been going to go talk to a therapist, um, but no one, I felt, well, at least my first year, I felt like I had no one that was really supporting me in that way. And also I had my own negative connotation when it comes to seeking therapy. So I just, mm -hmm. uh, in the office while I was waiting for that student, I just thought about how I wish I had someone to do this with me mm -hmm. in college. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I went, when you were a junior, I was um, at Fairfield, so I didn't know you as a first year student, but mm -hmm. I knew that was so important for me. Like, I think my orientation leader supported me and what took me maybe to some offices and introduced me to people. So that's how I guess I learned how to do it as when I became an orientation leader, a first year mentor, um, I did that throughout my career and then as a professional. So those building those relationships on campus are so important if it's even with one person that can like advocate for you and take you somewhere and introduce you to someone i think 
um, if you're listening, make sure you have at least one person, like your orientation leader, first year mentor, RA, or someone in the diversity office that can really be that person to um, listen to you, but then be like, all right, bet, let's go find this person that's going to help you into that next level. Right. Because I feel like sometimes the next level is what gets skipped. Mm -hmm. I love Ray, my first year, but I just wasn't telling her my business because <laughs> I was like new to campus and I just didn't yeah. plus issues periodically. So yeah. I was love her she seems great but not telling her my business not gonna tell her that I'd be crying at nighttime like that's for me to know and for nobody else right right yeah and that's building that trust and that community on campus and I think both of us that were on kind of like the other side of graduation you're pursuing your master's you're on the like professional side of supporting students now um yeah it's hard to tell people yeah I cry at night at like I'm really upset I'm homesick I don't understand what's going on there's so many barriers to entry as first gen um, but know that there are people who are rooting for you that want to support you um, and finding out who those people are um, and that makes me think of like going from your first year of like maybe being afraid to talk to someone to support you to now in a master's program um, how did you make that transition from undergrad to a master's program and um, killing it now. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, as I struggle. Um, <laughs> I think my transition, I think my transition to my master's program was pretty comfortable because of my experience as an undergrad. So from having nights where I would cry myself to sleep to um, deciding that, okay, well, living on campus is cool, but maybe it's not for me right now. Mm -hmm. um, to transition into being a commuter student, where I had to like literally be in the commuter lounge, be in the lower level, communicating with people, getting to know people. Um, that really helped me in my transition now because I learned how to like talk to people. I learned how to ask questions. I learned different things about campus that I didn't know just from being a residential student. Mm -hmm. Which is why when my first year, my first year in my master's program, I was like, I wasn't, I wouldn't say struggling, but I was having a challenge with um, imposter syndrome mm. in my classes because everyone was white or everyone was older than me I felt like I did not belong um which I didn't understand how much of an effect that was really having on me when I was going to classes and experiencing classes and being scared to talk in class um because I have not like I'm pretty outspoken like I don't have saying <laughs> yeah. how I, but I noticed that I would like kind of revert back into a shell and not participate as much mm -hmm. um, and so I think I I just was I just was like what well, like I can't like what am I doing here like what how do I fix this feeling that I'm feeling and what is this feeling that I'm feeling because I did definitely experience imposter syndrome before undergrad however nothing like this like the level that 
feeling was. And I think it's because like everyone in my classes were older than me. They had like families, um, a lot of their experiences that they would share would be about their kids and stuff of that nature. So I was like pretty overwhelmed. Um, I truly, truly cannot express the importance of like asking questions or just mm -hmm. saying that you feel overwhelmed. I went to my, um, she's like the, one of the heads of the program currently. And I went to her office because I've never, I want to say never, I've, ne I've never turned in late work without an extension before. Mm -hmm. and I remember for our midterm or final or something, I just felt so overwhelmed with the whole program, with the imposter syndrome, um, that I worked on my midterm exam so much for so long and I just didn't turn it in when it was due because I was like, it's not good enough. Mm. And that was the first time I've ever turned in late work and it made me feel so trashy mm. or like, so, like I just felt like really, really disappointed in myself, I should say, not trashy. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember going to her office and I just sat on her couch and I just started to cry. Like I just started to tell her everything I was feeling and how this is how I feel. This is why it was late. I know it's like not acceptable and I'm not trying to make excuses, but you should know that this is how it feels attending your class every week. And this is how I feel handing it work to you because I'm always second guessing my work. And even though it's done on time, I'm going to, I handed it in late because I was like, it's not good enough and I have to redo it and I have to redo it and I have to redo it until it's good enough. Mm -hmm. And that was like such a, like in my life, that was such a revolutional moment because this, my professor was scary. Like she was scary. <laughs> and like She's like the head of the program. So I was like, oh, she's not going to take no, nothing from me. I can't be doing this. Um, and then she sat like, I didn't expect her to react the way she reacted, but then she reacted so well to me crying out. I was like, wow, thank you. Um, thank you for like sharing with me your experiences. She shared her experiences in grad school. Um, though it was not, um, her experience was not imposter syndrome because of race. It was because of sex. And that whole thing just made me feel so much ground more grounded in my program granted i don't think i should have pursued an mpa i think mm. i should have some degree or a social work degree because that okay. more my background and the things that i want to do with my life mm -hmm. um, but that moment with that professor made me feel like okay i can finish this program mm -hmm. it's okay to second guess or it's okay to feel overwhelmed in this space, but like, what can I do to ensure that those feelings don't affect the work that I'm producing? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's so many layers to that experience because, well, two things. Number one is, um, if you heard correctly, Shaquana is still in this program, so she is still processing it. And I think it's so important for listeners and students to understand that along your journey in undergrad and master's level is like, you're going to realize that maybe this is the right track or it's not the right track. And that's okay. 
um, that you can change your mind and you can try to navigate those feelings while you're still in a program. And number two is this imposter syndrome that comes up at every single level of leveling up, right? So in undergrad, you're experiencing imposter syndrome to a certain level as first gen because you're like, wait, do I even belong here? Did I get in just because of Title VII? Like, what is going on? Um, and then you go navigate that experience. But now at the master's level is so different because master's level is like people from different walks of life coming in at different entry points. It's not like you're all on this four-year journey together and starting at 18 years old. There's people who are maybe 30 or 40 or 60 and you don't have families or don't have families. So you're at different experience levels and imposter syndrome just hits you differently. And it really um, messes with your psyche of thinking, wait, am I even good enough for this career, for this whole job? Um, and I think we procrastinate because we are programmed to think that we're not enough and that no matter how many times we do a project or do a presentation or figure out the test, we are leading towards this perfectionism that doesn't exist um, because we are not perfect beings. Right. That That is another key. Like, be okay with failing. I think mm. that you should not be okay with failing is when you're using your failure as a reason to not try again right mm. so i feel like throughout my experience i had to have that rough first year of undergrad where i literally got like d's and c's and then take that experience to see where i can develop to become now a straight a student you know what i'm saying mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Failure, I feel like we avoid failure so much because we feel like it's the end-all be-all when it's really a way of learning and it's really pushing our learning curve, our comfort zone. Um, and what can, like, once I fail, what can I do differently? What did I do in the process of failing that I could have did differently, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like even now I have students who are like, I can't. I can't get a C, I can't get a D, I must get an A, and I wish that they would reconsider because I see them mm -hmm. not get the A that they desire, and I see what that does to their self-esteem and their motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's also thinking about how we are more than our grades, right? We are more than that A, B, C, D, F, and we're unfortunately socialized and programmed to assert our worthiness with the outcome or the product that we produce, right? So that's remnants of our capitalist society. And that trickles into our work environment, right? We're like, oh, if I put in more hours, then I'm more successful and I produce more and therefore I will be liked more. <coughs> but is that really your measure of success? I don't know. That's up to everyone to decide. True. I remember, um having that as my measure of success my first year as a early professional because I felt like the more hours I put in because I'm younger um the more like people will see me as being able to do my job or more likable I would seem and I just feel like that experience 
of putting in more hours, doing more, volunteering at functions. I just feel like that, for me at least, led to people taking advantage of me. Mm. I would go above and beyond and do everything and then I would be so tired at the end of the day. I remember I wasn't even like taking care of my health at one point because I wanted to be I needed to be at the event. I needed to be doing the work because I needed to have that image of being mm. put together professionally. And like I remember like being was that the same year? I remember like um, being in the urgent care and it was like everything just kind of like stopped for me. It's like, no, you need boundaries. You need to check your email from 8.30 to 4.30, but you don't need to be checking your email at 11.30 at night when you're trying to go to sleep. You don't mm-hmm. need to get up and respond to someone because at the end of the day, the email is still going to be there at 8.30 when you wake up. And mm-hmm you respond at 11.30 at night, the person might not even see it because they're not checking their emails right now. Um, I just... Also, like, saying no. Saying no, like, now is, like, my new favorite thing. It's like, oh, can you work on Sunday to do this thing last minute? And I'm like, no, actually, not available. Before Mm -hmm. I'd be like, yes, I could do it. Switch everything in my life to be able to Mm. accommodate my job. When it's like... Okay, if you're not there, the function is still going to happen. Mm-hmm. Regardless. So, like, I don't know. Boundaries are just so important. Like, I've had to really set myself to them. Also, like, boundaries in an environment where you feel, like, not appreciated. Mm. Absolutely. I think boundaries and saying no are part of our learning curve, especially as... Um, Black and Latina women, we are raised um, a certain way based on our gender role and be in servitude, right? So, and, and, that, and those messages come from society, from the world, from parents, from um, books, from schooling. So if you're listening in, I think boundaries and saying no are really hard for us because we are raised a certain way to show up and present ourselves a certain way and I think we learn along the way that if we do that we're going to burn out if we haven't already we're going to end up in the ER or the because our body is going to tell us when we've done too much right we have to sleep appropriately we have to eat appropriately we have to exercise we have to incorporate incorporate wellness as part of our holistic experience and and it's pretty ironic that we learn about that at, at Fairfield specifically with care for the whole person, right? Um, but how are we actually doing that in our lives um, is, is so important. And I, I commend you for learning that at a very young age as a master's level student and for Shen, and that's going to serve you in your career because you're right, you shouldn't be responding to emails at 11.30 p.m. And if you are, then we need to have a conversation about, okay, what does your self-care look like? What do your boundaries look like in the work environment? And if that's something that is expected from you, from an employer, then we need to start looking for jobs, my friend. Right. <laughs> right. Even with my RAs now, I feel like I give them a task and they're like, okay, got to do it right now. got to do it right now. I'm just like, hold on, calm down. 
what does it look good for you to do it right now like do you have something else to do right now like it's no rush because that like the task is going to get done <laughs> right that time management right and like as long as you put the time to take the time to plan it out or like when I'm having meetings with my RAs and they're literally we're literally on zoom and I could tell that they didn't sleep last night why are you mm. talking right now why why do you feel like you have to show up when you're not equipped to show up mm-hmm. I'm always like you know what I'll talk to you later like <laughs> because you need that right now um and like the fear of there's like a fear especially with my arrays of color there's like a fear to say I can't do that right now or I can't show up to this meeting because this is how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Because we're programmed to always show up no matter what. Mm. Yes. Yes. Especially this proverbial um, expectation that is either um, explicit or subliminal in a way of like, we have to prove ourselves that we deserve to be in this space. And, and I think if you're listening and you identify with any of these intersections of your identity, you belong wherever you are. You're worthy of being and having a seat at that table um, and whatever scholarship, whatever program you have, whatever job you have, you deserve to be there. And we shouldn't be running ourselves to the ground to prove our worth in that way, even though we're programmed to do that. Right. Because look at, I feel like it's like, at least for me, I was like, look at all the other people not showing up the way I'm showing up. Mm. What And they're still getting the same rewards that I'm getting. So, like, what does that say? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So knowing about what you've learned as an, like, with imposter syndrome, with boundaries and saying no, um, what else would you tell your younger self to, um, if you were to have a chat with her? um one day or text her (laughs) um what would you tell or text your younger self um I think I would tell my younger self that it's okay to ask questions Mm -hmm. and a lot of them along the journey because I feel like a lot of my journey I was trying to figure out by myself when the answer was literally sitting somewhere down like down the line for me Mm -hmm. um I would tell her to ask a lot of questions but I would also tell her to believe in herself because Mm. there I feel like um there's so much untapped potential in the younger version of me that could have been so great if I just believed in myself at the time Mm -hmm. um and now I feel like I still struggle with the whole aspect of believing yourself because I feel like it's not a thing that just comes overnight. Mm -hmm. I still struggle with planning. I'm a planner, so I, but there's a limit with planning, right? So there's planning and then producing, but then there's me who sometimes ends up planning, 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 and I'm still planning and there's no producing because I'm second guessing the plan and I don't know if it's going to work. However, what, whatever really works on the first try. <laughs> True. Also, there is so much that you can learn from making a mistake, you know? 
So that has been me for for years though like i'll plan 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 and i will not produce anything because i'm still planning it it's it becomes like a double-edged sword i think yes yes there's some level where we have to okay this is abc that we want to do okay let's do it now um and then we'll learn along the way and like build the plane as we go um because done is better than perfect my friends Right, progress not perfection. Yes. Tweet, tweet, tweet. <laughs> I love it. Progress not perfection. Done is better than perfect. We're going to write it down, my friend. If you're taking notes, that's a tweetable moment. That is a tweet. That is the affirmation that you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, and along the lines of being okay, how are you doing now with higher ed and the moments of um, this pandemic, global revolution that we're experiencing here in the US? Um, how are you feeling? What are you doing to stay um, sane in many ways? Um, well, I've been a self-care queen. Like that, that really is my thing. Okay, um, I love it. <laughs> I have my Friday night face mask. Um, I have my feet up time when I just need this time to put my feet up, lay down and watch some YouTube videos. Um, and I tell everyone, this is what I'm doing from this time to this time. Please do not interrupt me because what I'm not going to do is take my face mask off to do something ridiculous with you when I need this time for myself. Um, so I'm doing that, but also I just got home from a little mini vacation because, um, I personally struggle with seasonal depression. Okay. Um, this is like my third real year actually recognizing why I'm sad, um, during this time of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I took myself on a little mini vacation to a sunnier spot to get the raise that I need to be able to continue to um, be here and do this work that I do. Um, right now in higher ed, it's very, I feel like we, hmm, what is the correct word? I feel like we right now, at least currently, there's a large struggle of engagement all mm -hmm. around. And I mean, I wasn't our race, so like we used to have the programs, and everybody used to come. Everybody wanted food. Everyone, body wanted to paint a mug so that they could take it home with them. And so, me, along with my RAs, we are really struggling right now when we have programs and no one shows up. Mm -hmm. And that is such a shift. I feel like because, especially because I'm in a um, currently I'm in a first year building, um, first year and sophomore, it's a mixed building. Um, I've been in the sophomore building and I've been with upperclassmen throughout my professional journey. Um, and literally this is the most disengaged group I've ever experienced. Um, wow. coming to programs, uh, and it's just, I don't know. My RAs are taking it really hard, which I understand because so they, I have two new RAs on staff um, and everyone else is like a returner. And the returners are used to 
people coming to their programs, people needing them, people talking to them, people at least saying hi in the hallways. Mm -hmm. And this is just such a shift, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been really hard. Like I, every week I'm like brainstorming a different way to try to engage them. So where was a lot of Zoom, I was like, all right, we can't do Zoom no more. They're get also I was like, we can't email them no more because they're getting a lot of emails from different of the campus. Everyone wants to be on a virtual meeting with them. We can't all of that, we have to trash it. Mm-hmm. So then we started to use uh social media engagement, which I feel like is working a little bit more than the first couple of weeks. So I've been very active on our building page. I've been posting on the program and I'm, and now the expectation has shifted, right? So it's like before, if 10 people came to my program, it's lit, I'm lit. And if more people come, it's lit. Now it's like if two people, one person shows up, then it, it's really lit. So like, what can we do to engage that one person so that they could tell a friend the next time there's a program? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that engagement piece, because we're all Zoomed out, and Zoom fatigue is real, just like in-person events can give you fatigue, um, and that expectation to have students on, like, a, a screen all day is not realistic, like, it's gonna hurt their their eyes, it's gonna hurt their back, because they're sitting down so long, like, the Blu-ray glasses are in, because you want to protect your eyes, Um, And also, like, headaches from, like, just staring at the screen all day. I think people maybe don't realize um, when we first started this whole shelter-in-place situation, they're like, oh, let's engage online, let's do it, let's do it. But it's, like, seven months later, and hold on, we need to rethink this whole model. Right. Right, because the students, if I'm Zoom fatigued, I know the students are Zoom fatigued. Mm -hmm. So... I don't really blame them when they don't show up to a program, Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's like, also like now that we're like seven months out, we have different ways of engaging socially distant, mm-hmm. um, which is great because now we have the oh. in-person happening on campus. But with so much uncertainty, it might be easier to just stay in your room because currently at here on this university campus we work in a phase model so it's like green phase red phase blue phase purple phase shut down like, you know what i'm saying um so we are in like um i think we're in the orange phase which is high mitigation phase to kind of ensure that the cases on campus are decreasing um so what that means is like people can't come into this residence hall. So they, if you have a friend that lives in another residence hall, you can engage with them outside or in the BCC or in the library, but you can't engage in this building, in this space, um, which is hard because now they feel like they can't see their friends. Yeah. Um, a building just shut down two weeks ago because there was, um, like a building quarantine, basically. That building was shut down for 14 days to mitigate because there was a lot of number of cases coming from that building specifically. Oh, damn. Yeah, so then now it's like a stigma that 
I can go to that building because they shut down. So, like, if I go in there, I might catch COVID, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, so, it's just a lot. It's a lot of work to be in higher ed right now. But yeah. a lot of, like, out-the-box thinking. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes people people struggle with out-the-box thinking, including mm-hmm. myself. And... Mm-hmm. If the students aren't engaging with me to tell me what they want from the building or what they want to see happening, then yeah. I really have to kind of imagine what I would like. And I am young, but I'm not that young. So like, <laughs> like you might not like. And if I'm telling the RAs to like get gift cards for programs and no one is showing up, like do you guys not like gift cards anymore? Like I don't understand. I don't understand what's really happening. I feel the same way I I'm like that I'm young but I'm just like what is Gen Z like <laughs> that's why I'm like on TikTok I'm like let's see what the what they say what they're saying down there yeah 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 out of the box thinking is like on overdrive right now <laughs> right and social media and like how to like balance giving the students enough social media where it's not too much so like i know that their emails are over capacity so i'm not so i'm now trying to engage them on our page get them to do surveys get them to vote get to get to see what they want right but i don't want to do too much because then they're going to be like okay this is a lot like you are currently on our timeline 10 times out of the day which is like too much like (laughs) much of fun on Facebook. Yeah, there's too much of you on my Instagram right now. And it's like, okay, follow our page, but we won't follow you back because we don't want you to feel like we're watching you. So. Yes, I feel all of those things. Even though I'm not in, specifically in an institution, I totally can think of all those processing out of the box things that we would have to be doing as program uh, programming and events. Um, So I am sending you and all higher ed professionals some hugs, some good vibes, some more out of the box thinking. (laughs) Thanks, we need it. (laughs) And I want to thank you so much for having this chat with me. I know you're busy and you have a lot going on. She, y'all, she is working full time. She is managing students. She's engaging students and she's in a master's level program. So if you're listening, let's give Shaquana an air round of applause. (laughs) And if you're listening, make sure you put in the comments your clapping emoji. Yeah, but also, like, I'm doing all these things, right, and still, like, trying to balance my mental health and trying to sleep on time, um, trying to wake up and do self-care routines or whatever, Um, but, like, believe in yourself, I guess, because, like, who knew that I would be doing this four years ago? Not Mm -hmm. me. Who knows what I'm going to be doing next year? Not me, but... Like, it's just, like, life is just such a lesson, a learning lesson, mm-hmm. a learning curve, that, like, if you're not believing in yourself, then what are you really doing? 
Yes. I love that. If you're not believing in yourself, what are you really doing? Oof. Right in the heartstrings. <laughs> that is my motto. We're going to take a, a moment so that you can sink that in. Really feel that in your soul. <laughs> I was going to say, is there any last thing you want to bring to anyone listening? But I think that was it. I think that was the, the heartstring. That was the gem. The gem, the mic drop, the zest. <laughs> the oh. cream your coffee. Yes. The cinnamon to your little coffee mug. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you so much, Shaquana. I love this chat. I Ooh. always love chatting with you. I always learn something. And I always leave a little bit more motivated to continue my day. Oh, thanks. You know I'm always chatting. Yes. <laughs> I guess really my thing. Yes, yes. So if you are listening and you made it to the end of our chat, make sure you like, subscribe, share, leave your favorite parts in the comments, and let us know what zest. What? And give us some advice because I feel like we can learn from you just as much as you learn from us. Exactly. Let us know what, what you learned, what you take from this conversation. Make sure you follow Shaquana on social media, subscribe to her channel. Uh, she always is dropping gems on her pages. So give her some love too. And I'll put everything in the show notes so you know exactly where to find her. Thanks. You're welcome. Ciao, ciao. Until next time. Until next time. I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> yes. Come back for part two. Wow, my friends, we made it to the end of another amazing episode. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something, please make sure that you rate, review, subscribe, and let us know your biggest takeaway from today's episode and comment commentary on your biggest learning. If you would like more information about the person that I interviewed and the guest, make sure you check out the show notes where all the information will be there on how to reach them, learn more about their work, and if you would like to work with me, uh, please check out the website www.deliciaalarcon.com slash services. And that's where you will learn how we can work together. You can add me on Instagram, Delicia D. Alarcon, where we can chat and connect that way as well. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and cheers to the next one. Again, I'm Delicia, your host for College and Career Coffee Chats or your resident hypea. Until next time, my friends, cheers. <laughs>